From the Heritage Foundation, I'm Tim Desher, and this is Heritage Explains Live. Today, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA, pumped the brakes on the Biden vaccine mandate for companies with over 100 employees. Why? I mean, they were so emphatic about it last week when the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals slapped it down. On this episode of Heritage Explains Live, we talk with Sarah Parshall-Perry. She's a legal fellow here at Heritage and has her finger on the pulse of this rapidly changing situation. She also explains where this will likely end up and what it means for your freedom as an American. But first, if you like what you hear, Give us a five-star rating, leave us a comment, or share this show with your friends and family. We are here, Sarah and I are here, to make the mud clear. Clear as as mud, right? I think that's what it is. And with all that's happening, the state of play with Biden's attempted federal vaccine mandate, this is real, but is it viable? Is it legal? What are the consequences? All that to be said, I'm Tim Desher. I'm the co-host of the Heritage Explains podcast. You all should subscribe, by the way. You should subscribe, too. So, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But, but first, I am joined by my friends and pal, uh, Sarah Parshall-Perry. She's a legal fellow in the Mies Center here at the Heritage Foundation. And she and the, t- and the team have been just tracking this VAX mandate so well. And she's going to catch us up on what's happening. There's so much going on here. It's, yeah. it's like it's, 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 as fast as they're releasing these mandates... Yeah. It seems like the changes are happening almost as quickly. Yeah, they are. So so again, folks, um, we're just going to set the stage here a little bit. Uh, but again, start typing your questions in because you really do uh, drive the content portion of this little broadcast here. So let me just set the stage really quick here, Sarah. Yeah. And, and I know I'm talking a lot, but but we need this because, again, this is complex. Uh, Biden announced that he was going to use OSHA to mandate employers with 100 or more employees to either be vaccinated or take tests on a weekly basis. The OSHA rule also requires employers to provide paid time for employees to get vaccinated. Yeah. Okay. Uh, As well as they're going to ensure all unvaccinated workers wear a face mask in the workplace. Okay, so we've got a bunch of different mandates here coming from OSHA. This is going to be a lawyer's paradise. And as a lawyer, I'm sure that warning signs are going yes. left and right here, Okay, especially as a constitutional lawyer. Um, there's, there's a lots of scenarios being played out. Uh, but like we said, things are changing very, very quickly. So what I wanted to do was is, uh, the Fifth Circuit Federal uh, Court of Appeals had a decision late last week which was huge against this Biden mandate. Right. So I wanted to start there and then we can get into the, the announcement that happened today where they pumped the brakes on this. Okay. So just start us off with the Fifth Circuit. So um, the Fifth Circuit had heard a bunch of separate petitions for relief challenging the OSHA vaccine mandate. And they went immediately to the Fifth Circuit. Normally you start out in federal trial court, but there is a rule, a statute that allows you to go immediately to the federal appellate circuit 
when you are contesting a federal agency regulation. This one, OSHA, right? So falls under the Department of Labor. So a number of different petitioners had filed. The court consolidated them into one case with one case number. So wait, let me just stop you there. Who are the petitioners here? Are these people or these Everyone from ministry organizations to states, to individuals, to employers, anyone who might conceivably have been touched by this mandate as an employer of more than 100 people. Would was a filer in this particular request for relief. So there was just a flood of flood of litigation, litigation. but all in the Fifth Circuit, and that's important to know because in the Fifth Circuit there was a temporary stay issued, and if you remember, the Biden administration said, "Ignore what the Fifth Circuit has to say. Continue to get vaccinated." So they pushed ahead. And by stay, you mean. Do not, right. do not let this rule go forward. Right. And okay. so the Fifth Circuit pressed pause on the law okay. and Biden came out. The administration, Jen Psaki, the president himself said, we're encouraging people to keep getting vaccinated through their employers. What followed on that was a motion for rehearing and bank, which means all of the judges together because they wanted to make sure that this particular stay would be good during the length of the litigation. Okay, so, so I'm, I'm just going to stop you here because uh, those of us who, who attended law school understand things like en banc and, and you, know, you know, three judges versus 11 judges, however right. many judges. Um, so initially a three-judge panel um, said put a stay on this. Right. And then, like you said, in order to kind of cover their tracks, they, they open it up to all of the judges right. on the on the Fifth Circuit. Right, That's exactly. Cool. Okay, all right. And now and then they agreed with the three-judge panel. And they absolutely did. And okay. what they reinforced was, we are going to keep the stay active during the pendency of the litigation. In other words, we're not going to take the hold off during this court case. And there is no guarantee about how long this will take. Mm-hmm. So at least during the period of time that the Fifth Circuit is considering this now, now on the merits because they went only to whether or not they should immediately provide relief, they are going to keep it paused. Now, in the meantime, 13 federal circuit challenges were brought in other circuits, 5th, 6th, 8th, 11th, and 2nd. During that time period, because they all go to the same rule, these are all very much the same states, employers, ministries, churches, um, groups of employees, because they all have standing to bring suit. Right. They are all in different circuits. So there is something called the, in Section 28 of the U.S. Code, a multi-district petition statute. And okay. what that does is it allows federal courts through a panel, a precise panel, it's specifically established by that law to pick by lottery. And I mean, in one of the bingo ball rollers, that's, <laughs> that's that is so how funny. unsophisticated it is. Yeah. They put in all of the case numbers, all of the circuits, and then literally drew one of these numbers. Hmm. The number that they came up with was the Sixth Circuit. So the Sixth Circuit actually has a majority of conservative judges. Okay, so the fifth, so the, so where this case started in the Fifth Circuit, that has a majority conservative judges. So the Fifth Circuit and the Sixth Circuit are both hearing challenges now. Got it. But yep. because the Fifth Circuit petitioners were first to file and it was all in the same circuit, yep. they're going forward with their litigation. The others were all brought in different circuits. Yep. And under the consolidating rule, yep. they can pick one number 
and basically say, okay, here's where we're going to hear all of these 13 challenges. The court that came up was the Sixth Circuit. It is a 10-6 conservative to liberal judge split. So the 10 were all appointed by Republican presidents. Yep. And a lot they, of them, President Trump, actually. Yes, yeah, yes. That was, a, um, that was a big benefit to uh, conservative yes, it was. <laughs> uh, jurists. Yeah. And some excellent yeah. decisions have come out of the Sixth Circuit sure. on issues of sort of personal liberty and constitutional importance. So okay. I think some of us are very um, hopeful about the yep. fact that we might get a good result in the Sixth Circuit. But what happened after this en banc review in the Fifth Circuit was that the administration went from saying nobody stop getting vaxxed, we want you to keep getting your vaccines, to suddenly saying, we're going to issue a temporary halt of our enforcement policies and all of our efforts to institute the mandate that just came out that today. happened today it happened today. so osha so osha said we're going to pump the brakes right. on this vax mandate which is a that that's a big deal that speaks yes. very loudly about what the court said and the arguments that they agreed with right right in this case and they it's a said, big deal they said essentially pending the litigation outcome we are going to temporarily temporarily suspend what's going on. Now, Mm -hmm. they have some relief options. It sounds like based on the first two orders we've seen from the Fifth Circuit, the Biden administration is going to lose on the vaccine mandate, at least in the Fifth Circuit. That gives the Biden administration the opportunity for appeal once we get the Sixth Circuit outcome determined. Those two, if there is a circuit split, can go immediately to the Supreme Court, and that may be what the administration is waiting on. Okay. We're taking your questions, folks. We wanted to set the stage on that. Thank you so much for doing that, Sarah. Really appreciate it. We've got a lot of people tuning in. Natalie is on Facebook. We've got Nicole. Charles, hello. Thank you for watching. It's so good to have you here. Actually, let us know where you're uh, where you're watching from, Phil. I don't know if we can do that. Oh, by the way, this is an audience of one here, but but our our our, our guy, the, the the CEO that makes this show roll, it's his birthday today. So everybody, wish Phil a happy birthday. Happy birthday, Phil. Okay, great, <laughs> awesome. Anyway, um, so we have a question here. Um, sure. Um, Suzanne uh, wrote in. Does the Fifth Circuit stay? include companies that work with government contracts as well as those with 100 plus employees? That is a great question. Um, So a lot of these mandates will actually have overlapping implications. Hmm. So for example, a federal government um, contractor might also be, and probably is based on size, an employer of more than 100 individuals, which as you know, is the actual OSHA rule. The suspension of the OSHA regulation very easily could also include these federal government contractors. The difference here is that the OSHA mandate was issued in violation of state power. So the relationship between these government contractors and the federal government might complicate it. Hmm. But at, at first look, I think this is probably going to affect the federal contractor mandate as well, because they are quasi-private employees. Hmm. We, uh, it's very interesting too, because with that being said, you know, you've got the, the military mandate, you've got, you've got all sorts of different federal mandates coming in. And I was, I was thinking about it today and, and the question that I had, and I think a lot of people would also ask is, is how come they didn't just go to Congress to get this? How come this is being done through federal agency 
fiat. Okay, so that's the question on that just sort of gives you a little bit of an indication of where the priorities are of this administration. So huh. the OSHA Act that actually created the agency OSHA allows for emergency uh, temporary standards, ETSs, hmm. in case of grave danger to employees in particular circumstances. That allows them to bypass regular agency review processes, okay. right? Okay. So you'd have to go through the notice and comment period, they'd have to have studies, they'd have to listen to stakeholders, and it could take as long as a year to a year and a half. Okay. So they wanted to go right out to the public with an emergency standard. However, in OSHA's history of 50 years, only 10 ETSs have ever been issued. Six of those were challenged in court and only one of them survived. Yeah, so, is... And that was the one that was at the center of the uh, asbestos litigation back in the 80s. Yeah. So this is a very, very hard to meet standard. And in fact, the judges on the Fifth Circuit said, we want to treat this delicately. Mm -hmm. We don't want to take this power and abuse it because it could very clearly be turned to nefarious ends. They were okay. concerned about that. Yeah. Uh, Charles, uh, you are tuning in. You have a great question here. Thank you for this. And it's in fact, it was, uh, it was something that my dad asked earlier today. Love you, dad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> will this end up in the Supreme Court? Will this be something, and, and, and I think what this is based in um, is maybe a skepticism that that while we sit here and say, oh, it's you know this is clearly unconstitutional, this needs to be rejected fundamentally. There is a skepticism out there that that this will end up at the Supreme Court, and then we're in a situation where somehow this doesn't get overturned. So t just talk a little bit about where this goes from here. So procedurally, there are a couple of different options. Like I said, the Sixth Circuit just got assigned this whole raft of cases with yep. all of these different parties. They'll have to go through now the process of making sure that they hear everything, they get all the briefing, they go through all the arguments. So waiting until the Sixth Circuit comes out, the Fifth Circuit is also gonna be hearing now on the merits, what they have been challenged with in this OSHA mandate series of cases. When those two are combined, if the results are different, they will automatically be able to go to the Supreme Court and be able to um, petition for review on the merits. Hmm. Now. Supreme Court, you have to tell us whether or not this mandate is constitutional, unconstitutional, a violation of statutory power, or not a violation mm. of statutory power. So yes, it will almost invariably end up there. I cannot imagine that the Biden administration will roll back its own executive uh, agency interests and suddenly <laughs> say, okay, we messed up. They've put on a temporary mm. hold, yes, and that is legally binding. But until we get to the Supreme Court, the game is not truly over. Wow, okay, thank you, that's great. Um, and uh, um, we have a friend watching from Brazil, actually, on YouTube, uh, says, we have the same tensions here. Wow, interesting, yeah. uh, interesting all the dynamics that this is probably being challenged. People, Other people around the country are saying, hey, this isn't right to mandate right. this. Right. This isn't right to, to have this in place. Uh, Stephanie is watching in Florida. Robert from Texas, we got a whole lot of people tuned in here. This is a big deal. Um, so we've got, I'm gonna go to, uh, let's see here, Robin on Facebook. 
Why is Biden going after people with jobs? What yeah. about the millions who are on assistance and not employed? Yeah, Huge. that's it's very interesting because the Fifth Circuit said, you know, this rule is so bad for so many reasons, but it's particularly bad because it's over-inclusive and it's under-inclusive. In other words, mm. you've hit every employer over 100 employees in the entire nation, regardless of what state law says. Oh. So you've swept this broad brush across every everything, even though state police power to handle uh, personal safety and welfare is mm. something that's left to the states yep. under the Constitution. Yep. So it's not only overbroad, it's actually underbroad. It's under-inclusive. And that's what the judges said as well. They said there are huge segments of the population you're actually treating differently than others. Yeah. Why do the individuals who are in employee situations of 100 or more have more of an interest in their health than those individuals who are, for example, solo cab drivers mm. or um, peer tutors or whatever the case may be. So it's bad because it hits so many people. And by the same token, it looks constitutionally awful to mm. treat different people differently when it comes to fundamental interests and rights. Now, I, I don't know if, if you're going to be able to answer this question, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask it because I think it demonstrates the confusion that a mandate like this right. brings. Um, this is from uh, Natalie on, on Facebook. Will this affect veterans' benefits? I mean, wow. you would never, you would, you, I mean, like, we're, we're talking about something that you would never think would be in step with a vax mandate, yeah. but here we are asking these questions. Yeah. You know. Um, that's, that's a hard question to answer. It's yeah. entirely speculative, and I think it will ultimately be determined by what happens at the Supreme Court. And like I said, that's almost a foregone conclusion. So yeah. the Biden administration can appeal directly from the Fifth Circuit, particularly on a federal, federal rule yeah. that the Supreme Court will want to make sure they get right, or they could wait until the Sixth Circuit decision, and if there's a split, gin up some political capital before midterm elections. Yeah. So, the, hmm. you know, there's a lot of strategy involved, but I would bet dollars to donuts we go to the Supreme Court. Let me ask you something here. This is interesting because we've had this come in from, from many different people bringing this 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 issue up, which is religious exemptions. Why yeah. is that? Why have these co sort of just been forgotten by this? Why is there some Supreme Court precedent or some law that's on the books that allows them to just kind of reject that unless there's in really insane um, proof or how, just talk a little bit about that. Well, in practice, what we've seen are exceptionally invasive questionnaires on the extent and sincerity of religious beliefs. And because mm. the Supreme Court has articulated wanting to make sure that sincerely held, and that's the language, religious beliefs are in fact protected. What we're seeing now is private employers trying to determine on their own what is sincerely held and what is not sincerely held. And in fact, The Hill today just just ran an article about the fact that now people are using religious exemptions as essentially an excuse to get out of being vaccinated. Jeez. Okay. So we're going to I think we're going to see more inquiry into this until we get a final and dispositive ruling from the Supreme Court. But many private employers that we've heard about are actually issuing pages and pages of questionnaires. Mm. How often do you go to church? How often do you participate with other believers? What medicines do you take? 
are any of those using mRNA technology or fetal, fetal stem cell technology? So it's it's gotten pretty ugly in the private employment sector. Wow, awesome. Well, I appreciate that. We have a, a big high from Wisconsin. Wisconsin. <laughs> Did I say it right? I'm a Michigander. Yes. I'm a Michigander, so okay. I can adopt a. I, I a, grew up in Waukesha, they, so Wisconsin. My... <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Whoever that is might know actually where I grew up. Cliff, so. it's, it's Cliff on YouTube. You, yeah, we. Hey, Cliff. Thank you, yeah, Cliff. Absolutely, Whis from Wisconsin. <laughs> Cheese curds and beer, right? Is that what they do? <laughs> yes. That's what they do in Wisconsin. Don't forget Packers. That is the most important oh. Oh. export as, that we as, have. As and Daniel from Detroit is watching my hometown. We would say that. One day we will be a rival of the Packers, but I fear that the Packers don't see us as a rival. Not ever. the no. Lions, mm -mm. nope, no, we will uh -uh. not. No, that's not gonna happen <laughs> ever. I don't think so. No, that's great. Okay, so we've got some more, uh, some more uh, questions coming in. Nicole says, um, if my job is already requiring bi-weekly testing because I have a religious exemption, will that stop the mandate um, if it's overturned? I think we got into that a little bit, but yeah. I also think that, that what she mentions with being tested at work, I thought this was a really interesting thing because I think employee employers are the ones that pay for tests yeah. for their employees if they if they don't want to get man uh, vaccinated. Yes, which is a huge financial burden. Right, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. I, I'll say also that because there is a temporary stay from the Fifth Circuit pending the outcome of litigation, those employers are no longer under the threat of financial penalties. Right. So that means that those employers are not incentivized to force inoculations or force weekly testing or mask wearing like they were before. This actually mm. removes what the Biden administration was using as sort of the sort of Damocles to, to pull the pressure of the purse into this entire dialogue and make sure that they were pushing employers to do this by threatening them with fines. Yeah, this is such a, a sweeping mandate. I was listening to um, our friends uh, in, at, at the Wall Street Journal, the Potomac Watch podcast uh, this morning, actually, as I was preparing for this. And, and they posited the question of whether or not this was actually intended to be fully implemented, or was this just an attempt at yeah. having a political gain, saying, yes. you know, uh, with, with President Biden saying to his base, hey, I tried. And right. look at these, look at this, you know, these conservative courts overturning me, kind of playing that status so then he can gain some points from that. Right. And, and with a sweeping mandate such as this and how, um, how it was struck down so, um, you know, hard, you know, by yeah. the Fifth Circuit. Um, it seems to me like like they, they really didn't prepare this well. <laughs> it is the truth. I do think also that the threat of fines, the administration was banking on to be effective in getting shots in arms. At this point, over 80% of Americans are partially or fully vaccinated. So, mm. and the court identified this. They said, you can't identify this as an ongoing grave danger, which is what's required by the OSHA regulation. Yeah. That's actually what's required to meet a, an emergency standard, a grave danger. Mm. And the judges said specifically, listen, we're going into two years of this. We've modified our behavior. We have other ameliorating techniques. Hmm. So, and Justice Gorsuch himself in the dissent from one of the emergency appeals yeah. on the vaccine in a different format, not through this mandate, said, you know, at a certain point, COVID-19 is going to stop being a compelling interest. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Talk a little bit about, and and, and this is something that I was wondering, I, from my understanding, they're they're not saying 
um, mandates can't happen. They're saying that this is such a vast overreach administrative yeah. power. So, so dr- walk us through a little bit of what power does the government have to vaccinate, to, to mandate a vaccination? Does the federal government, can the federal government mandate a vaccination? Or is that a state government that can do that or a local government that can do that or a, anything? Can, can so you uh, the states are the ones that have what's called a police power. In other words, taking extraordinary measures to protect public health, safety, and welfare. That was never intended to be a power exercised by the federal government because then we start to look like communist China, right? (laughs) So this was a power left to the states and a lot of states have implemented their own rules for masking, for inoculations, for employers, what's required, what isn't, and that's appropriate. Hmm. That's a position that allows individual citizens like you and me to go to our elected representatives and say, this is too much, this is an impediment because of X, Y, Z, but it brings everything down to that granular state level that everything should have in the COVID pandemic always been relegated to. The Hmm. closest federal statute we might have some inclination would be appropriate is the FDA Act, which comes through the HHS because it does regulate vaccines. It can't tell us to all get vaccinated, but it can approve and make sure vaccines are distributed. So that about, that's about as much as the, the federal government has by way of statutory authority. It's, it's funny you said it's what separates us from a communist yeah. nation. And here we are yes. fighting. Here we are fighting this mandate yeah. that, that is fr- straight from Washington, D.C., yeah. straight from right down the road from where we are right now. Right. It's, it's, um, it's chilling. Yes. to say the least. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's all coming uh, coming to a head here, especially now we're grateful that uh, that we have a state right yes. now. Yeah. Yes. So that's great. Well, look, I think we're going to, we, we have covered this and anybody who is is still with us right now, they, they know a lot more for sure. And I just want to thank you, Sarah, for, for coming in and we will be back with you to, to see as this <laughs> thing goes really, really quickly. Thanks for having me. We, yeah, it's so good. So thanks a lot. Appreciate it. And that's it for this episode of Heritage Explains Live. Head over to the show notes and check out all the resources we link to to help build out this episode, as well as the links to watch us do the broadcast live. A new episode of the Heritage Explains podcast is coming out later this week, so please keep your eyes open for that. Otherwise, we'll catch you next time for another episode of Heritage Explains Live. Heritage Explains is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher, with editing by John Pop.